You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're going to finish the fourth chapter. And we're going to finish by talking about naming things and writing on things. We have one more chapter of Marcel Sheni to go, actually. There is a fifth chapter. But we'll see later this week that the fifth chapter takes a completely different tack. It really doesn't deal with Marcel Sheni at all. It deals more with Orla, with young trees. So this fourth chapter really is the conclusion of the Masechet, at least in terms of its base content. Many, many, many tractates, actually, of Mishnah have a chapter added on at the end that changes subject. So we're closing the chapter now, and we're closing on the question of stuff that is writing, written down, and what its status is. Someone finds a vessel, a pot. He finds a pot, and the word korban is written on it. Korban means sacrifice can mean dedicated to holiness, but it means sacrifice, basically. Rabbi Yudas says, If it was a clay pot, clay was really cheap in those days. It was a clay pot. If it's a cheap clay pot, we can assume that the pot itself is chulin. Is it has no holy status. But what is inside it would have been a sacrifice. In other words, we can assume that what was in the pot was used to contain something that was dedicated to the temple. And Rabbi Huda is going to make exactly the opposite supposition in the case of a valuable pot. It was a metal pot. Okay, now this is something special. Who korban? And he's going to make the opposite assumption. If it's a metal pot, the pot itself must have been dedicated to the temple. And you could dedicate anything to the temple in those days. You could dedicate yourself to the temple. So if it's an expensive pot, it has korban written on it. We assume that the pot was dedicated. But Rabbi Yudah is making a big jump here. I mean, his first, his first reasoning with the clay pot is rational. Cheap pot, we assume the contents were holy. Expensive pot, hmm, he's assuming the contents are not holy. And the sages say to him, and by the way, the halakha goes according to the sages here. It isn't, the halakha in the case of the metal pot does not go according to Rabbi Yehuda. It's not the way of man. You don't take ordinary, ordinary food and put it into a pot that is dedicated to the temple, the assumption probably is that the food in it is dedicated to the temple as well. So it might be Maser Sheni, it might be another kind of Korban. But the assumption is that the food is holy. So we might ask, what if we don't have something written on it, but we have an abbreviation so that the next Mishnah goes into abbreviations. So it begins exactly the same way as poetry in this Mishnah. The Mishnah 10 begins, Hamotzi Chli, someone who Fechatuvalav Korban. And the, the next Mishnah begins, Hamotzi Chli, Fechatuvalav Kuf. So now you've just got one letter written on it. Someone finds a vessel and it just says Kuf on it. Ah, Mishnah says that's a Korban. If it's a Mem, that's Maser. 
If it's a dalid, that's demai. Demai is produce that might or might not have had tithe separated from it. Te tevel. Tevel is produce that definitely does not have tithe separated from it. Tough. Truma. We learned about truma. Shebisha sakana. Hayukot vin. Tough tachat truma. In times of danger, they used to write a tough instead of truma. Remember, the Mishnah is codified around 200 years into the Common Era. The years around after the Second Jewish Revolt, say around the time of the death of Rabbi Akiva, 125. So, and we, you know, Rabbi Akiva and, and his contemporaries are really the voices we're hearing in the Mishnah. We've been learning about Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Hoshua. These are all people who lived around the t around the year 125. And this was a period of of um these were the hadrianic persecutions this is a time of destruction and torture and death the, the the destruction of the land of israel at that time was probably far greater in terms of pro its proportionate effect on the jewish people than the holocaust of the second world war and so the mishnah is saying the Mishnah is saying, be shut sakana at a time of danger. This must be referring to that period. Hayukotvim tough tachat truma. You wouldn't want to put right truma on a pot because you would then reveal the fact that you were keeping truma. So you just put a tough on it. You'd be a little bit anonymous. And Rabbi Yossi says, Kulam shmot b'nei adam. By the way, the halacha does not go according to Rabbi Yossi, just as it does not go according to Rabbi Yehuda. They could all be net people's names, right? So this, if you had lots of different pots, maybe the initials refer to the person who owns the food in the pot. So a dalid would be Daniel. A, um, uh, a tough might be, I'm not sure who a tough might be. Mem might certainly be Michael and so on. Maybe they're all names of people. And Rabbi Yossi goes on to say, look, we found a barrel and it's full of fruit. And actually the word truma is written out in full on it. You know, I can say that they're they're ordinary food because I can say, look, maybe last year it was full of produce of truma and i wrote the word trump someone wrote truma on it last year and remember you can't rub out it's not easy to erase writing that is written on a clay pot right so last year someone wrote truma on it we've already learned by the way that a pot full of truma can be cleaned out the last few and odds and ends you know sort of shaken out swept out and then you can use it for ordinary produce so Maybe last year it was truma and this year it was emptied. And the halakha, by the way, doesn't go according. Rabbi Yossi doesn't, the halakha doesn't go according to, to Rabbi Yossi. Generally, I mean, generally the halakha gives people the benefit of the doubt, but not to that extent. And it certainly does in the next Mishnah, the final Mishnah of chapter four, which Again, seems to be articulating the, I mean, we've seen up till now, right, that the sages very often bend over backwards. They make life very easy for the Jewish people to keep these mitzvot. And 
we're going to move from uncertainty about what is written on the pot, you know, using an initial instead of a name, to uncertainty about really what is designated and spoken. So how I leave now? Someone says to his son, there's some Maser Sheni in that corner. And the son goes in and the son goes into the storehouse and he found finds food in some other corner. And the halakha is, He hasn't found exactly what was predicted. That is Chulin. He's found Chulin in this corner. If his father says to him, there are a hundred, and the son, find, the son finds 200, the remainder, the excess is Chulin. In other words, the son can assume that there, were, there was a hundred there, but someone has added to it. And going in the in going in the other direction, Hayasham Mane Umatsa Matai Umatsa Mane, maybe there he said to him there are two hundred, and he only found one hundred. Hakol Maser. Everything is Maser. In other words, we don't assume that someone took away the two hundred and then brought back a hundred. If, you know, if we're told, look, there was 200 in that corner and we found 100, well, okay, we might assume someone has taken away 100 of the Maser Sheni, but what is left over is certainly Maser Sheni. And that's the close of the fourth chapter. And that's actually all that we're going to learn in detail at this point about Maser Sheni. We're going to take a big uh, change of direction as we go into the fifth chapter. We're going to learn about Orla. So... Um, that is a treat for the next, uh, for tomorrow evening, for the next Mishnah. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>